tuned in to the Catholic Avengers with Jeff Kassab and Pilaris Haki, brought to you by the Eastern Catholic Reevangelization Center. Welcome, everyone, uh, to Catholic Avengers Podcast, and it's great to be with all of you again. My name is Jeff Kassab, and my guest co-host... The better... Better co-host. Better yeah, better-looking co-host... Uh, the famous salty Catholic uh, podcast host, Ennis Custu. Well, hello there. And What's thank up, you, Ennis? Uh, thank you for having me on. Uh, well, it's our pleasure to have you on. I mean, I know you're thanking me, but it really wasn't my choice to have you on. But no, it wasn't. You're actually, you know, we, you know, you're odd. You we kind of went behind your back to, uh, yeah, to get this done. Yeah. Did you guys go behind my back because you're afraid of the Hulk? Or did you guys just, I mean, what was the reason why you and my so-called co-host, my real co-host, Polaris Aki, mm-hmm. uh, went behind my back and decided that he would do your podcast this much, which, by the way, you know, I never give him any credit, yep. but it was a good podcast. It was very inspiring, and it, it was pretty salty. Yeah, it, it was. <laughs> and on his behalf, thank you for saying that. Yeah. But the reason we kind of went behind your back is because we knew you would react just like this. Uh-huh. But okay. a lot worse if we if we just did it in front of you and he asked you. So it was one of those things where it's better to ask for forgiveness than for permission. So uh, I yeah, see. There we go. I mean, that's I mean, I, I, that the reasoning behind that is just whatever. Anyways, I mean, but you know, we'll go with it, man. We'll yeah. go with it. So, um, uh, Ennis doesn't have ten kids, um, but <laughs> at, not yet, not yet, not-, not yet. You know, so he's still a newlywed. He has three kids, though, uh, Marcelino, Layla, and uh, Charlotte. Yep. And um, they're wonderful kids, uh, very well brought up in the faith, and uh, he's a good father. He's a good man of God. He's got an okay podcast. Of course, actually, if you listen to Pilar, he's like, it's the best podcast. What did he say? He gave you so much credit. Yeah, he did. <laughs> I couldn't world, believe it. The world renowned. The world renowned, he said. <laughs> The world-renowned and is close to with a salty Catholic podcast, yep. man. That's awesome. And then we have Sean Ar. Yeah, <laughs> you know I mean? who's that guy? <laughs> I, I just want to prove to him. He always thinks that I rag on him in the podcast, but I'm going to prove to him that it's always Pilar, and I'm not going to say anything. I never have nothing to say to him, but it's usually Pilar that kind of riles me up. Yeah. And, you know, what do you call it? Like he's the fire and the, what do you say? Yeah, he pours the gasoline on yeah, the fire. Yeah, he pours the yeah. gasoline on the fire. Yeah, you know? so, you know what? Today I'm going to be the better co-host, and I'm not going to say anything about Sean, man. so we'll just leave it at that. That's awesome, man. Yeah, there you go. You're good. You are you are really a man of God. Thank you. Thank you. I'm sugary <laughs> today. I'm not salty. Oh, <laughs> uh, yeah. Our podcast does not have any salt in it, except when Pilar is my co-host, which yeah. is almost every month. Exactly. Yeah, so, you know, but you know, there could be a change of, I don't know. I don't know. Could, could be I a mean, change of. If I'm being honest, you're being a little salty right now. So, <laughs> <laughs> so Ennis, you know, we have a few minutes for actually start the podcast, right? Yep. You know all about our, uh, about our Avengers identities and yeah, stuff. Yeah, of course. Now, as far as I know, I've known you a lot longer than Pilar. Yep. Okay. We we're going on, I don't know. A long know, time, two thousand seven, probably yeah, about six, fifteen years like or so, yeah, 15, 20, 16 years. I've always known you from back then. You used to have an Apple computer with yeah. the Iron Man. I did, yeah. With the <laughs> with the logo was the Iron Man hand. Yeah, uh, the Apple. It was, yeah, right, yeah. So actually, I, I, I you have to say that you're the first Iron Man that I met. Well, thank you. Yeah, but 
if you remember the last time I was here, which Avenger I identify with the most now? Oh. Come on. Do you remember? I don't remember. He's, he's Catholic. He goes to confession often. Oh, we, um, uh, is he blind? Yes. Oh, a Daredevil. 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 Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. He uh, he kind of takes matters into his own hands and he doesn't do things the uh, you know, the Catholic way, per uh. se. Which is, that's, that's kind of how I talk to people. Exactly. <laughs> or how, that's how I've been Actually, accused that, of. that really fits your identity pretty It does, good. yeah. I've been accused of, you know, being a little too harsh with, yeah. you know, non-believers or yeah. people who are against the, the faith. Yeah. And, uh, except I'm not blind, yeah. Yeah. So. <laughs> <laughs> uh, once yeah. in a while, you'll hear a voice in the back. That's just our producer, Omar. <laughs> what up, Omar? Hello, Omar. <laughs> oh my gosh! So yeah, so that's uh, that's our uh, Ennis's new Catholic identity. I forgot about that, and uh, but he Daredevil's pretty cool, man. Daredevil's I awesome. Mean, for, considering what he can do, being blind, yeah, he's actually awesome, it's amazing. And yeah. then he goes to confession often. Yeah. He, his spiritual director, yeah. uh, he talks to a priest. Yeah. His mother is a nun. <laughs> so yeah. Just, I mean, yeah, he's uh, he's awesome. I gotta say, so far. You're a much better co-host than Evan oh, Pilar. So it. we're on a good start. We're well, on a good, on a good start. start. Sorry, Pilar. <laughs> if you get a phone call after this saying that you're no longer welcome here, then you're uh, no longer employed with Catholic Avengers. Yeah. I got nothing to do with it. <laughs> that means I'll have I'll have two podcasts now. Oh, so just one. <laughs> also, he can't even take over Salty Catholic. Wow. Of course not. Wow. <laughs> Actually, I told them, you know, they're expecting their eleventh child. Yeah. And um, they're calling him Fulton. Yes. You know, where he's uh, he's fell so much in love with Fulton Sheen. So I told him, you know, I said, listen, as soon, anyways, as soon as your son is old enough, hopefully by five, you're off. Yo, I'm going to bring his yeah. son. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> what am I going to do with him? I have Fulton here. <laughs> what am I going to do with Pilar, uh, Pilar Sackley? As soon as he's five. Oh, my God. Oh, a five-year-old, a five-year-old would be a better co-host than Pilar. Is what you're saying? <laughs> it's amazing. Actually, I could use his son Joey. Me and him are like best friends. But you know, I'll wait till Fulton gets a little older. We'll there you go. Some credit. Yeah. There you go. <laughs> so let's get started. Um, as of like every podcast, our quote of the podcast, of course, is from Archbishop Fulton Sheen. And I think uh, this one is so. It, it, you know, he just has a way of, way with words, man. So he says, there are not a hundred people in America who hate the Catholic Church. There are millions of people who hate what they wrongly believe to be the Catholic Church, which is, of course, quite a different thing. Amen. <laughs> right? Amen yeah, for sure. I mean, think about that quote for a minute, Ennis. What, what, are, you, what are you saying? Oh, absolutely. That? I mean, just talking, you know, especially tying into our conversation today, when I talk to non-Catholics, whether they're you know Protestant Christians, whether they're atheist, Muslim, Hindu, whatever they are, it's always what they th they attack what they think Catholicism is as opposed to what they know Catholicism to be true. Yeah, they don't just say, "Hey, in the CCC it says this." I disagree, and here's why. No, they just go on to like, you know, why do you worship statues? Yeah, <laughs> they just go like they, yeah. they don't even know what you know what they're talking about half the time. And you know the thing is, you, they, they'll tell you all the time. Since we are doing the year of apologetics, I think it's good to talk about this. But you know, they know they know what we believe. Yeah, they always have the same argument. Yeah. Why do you pray to Mary? Like, Baba, we don't pray to Mary. Like, what's <laughs> wrong with you guys? Every And how many Catholic apologists have to tell them that we don't? I mean, not, it's not unbelievable. Just not just Catholic ap apologists, but you're talking church fathers from back in like the yes. 300s yeah. who were yeah. talking about this. But, 
You know, it, it does boggle my mind that especially in today where we have a smartphone and there's Google where you can easily just look up Catholic you, beliefs. Yeah, Catholic, Catholic apologetics. What do Catholics believe about this? And go to a Catholic source instead of an anti-Catholic source. Exactly. Because that's what always gets me is when I talk to anybody who is um, non-Catholic who are being anti-Catholic. Yeah. They'll always, when I ask them what's your source, they'll always quote a, a book that they read by a non-Catholic attack in the Catholic Church. Yeah, yeah. So their anti-Catholic source is an, another anti-Catholic anti person. Yeah, exactly. So they're like third in line of being anti-Catholic <laughs> and don't know what they're talking about at that point. Just go straight to the source. Right? Yeah. I, honestly, they know what we believe. They know what our faith is, yet they just use the same arguments. It's been going like this since what? Martin Luther, what is it, 500 years now? Five, 500 years, right? Yeah, it's been going on. I mean, it's crazy. Time, you know, yeah. like, I mean, at some point you have to say, at, at some point I think, as we respect their belief, at some point they should say, okay, we respect the Catholics. We might not agree on certain things. Yeah. And this is where we try to come in ecumen ecum ec uh, ecumenically. Uh, yes. Um, in a dialogue with them. But it just, some of them are just so, you know, stuck in their beliefs of what the Catholic Church is not. Yeah. Like, like Archbishop Sheen says. And honestly, um, in dialoguing with a with, with a few Protestants that I know, it's their resentment because most of them were Catholics, used to be Catholics. Yes. They're falling mm -hmm. away Catholics and they turn into, you know, whatever church that made them feel good. So they have this resentment. And I've, at least from talking to them, it just seems like this to me. I, you know, this may not be true for every person, but it just seems like this to me. When they were Catholic, they didn't know Christ. Mm. They didn't know anything about Christ. Yeah. We didn't read scripture. They, you know, their faith was just absolute, yeah. you know, you know, bottom of the barrel. Yeah. But then once they joined this church, all of a sudden now they read scripture more, they're yeah. praying more. So they're like, well, it's Catholicism's fault that it's this way. Yeah, it can't yeah. be my fault. Yeah. So therefore I'm going to find a way, all the reasons in the world why Catholicism is, is wrong, wrong and why I made the right decision to yeah. leave Catholicism. Yeah. It's all just self-glorification saying like, yeah. hey, I made the right decision to leave Catholics instead of saying, hey, why couldn't I just read the scripture when I was Catholic? Yeah. Why couldn't I just pray? Yeah. Why couldn't I just do all this stuff? You know what I mean? Yeah. So I'm Catholic. I've been raised where read they're, the scripture. They're blaming the pray, church yeah. for not getting catechized. Yeah. They're yeah. blaming the church for not having the free will to pick up the Bible and read it. Yeah, exactly. In a sense. So it's and speaking of Bible, yeah. What's our topic today? Uh, Sola Sola Scriptura. Scriptura. Yeah, yeah. Um so Ennis Ennis and I have been working together for many years with apologetics. We've done a lot of stuff together. We've evangelized together. We've argued with other Protestants together. Yep. Um encountered the Jehovah Witness. So we've done a lot of work together. So um this is I think one of our favorite topics for both of us. So Sola Scriptura Ennis, what does it mean? for the people that don't know Latin. So this is a Latin term. Yeah, so Latin term just for means uh, Bible alone, yeah. scripture alone. Scripture alone. Yeah. Nothing else. Nothing else, yeah. No tradition, no, um, no so, magisterium, yeah, no, it, none of that. Trying not to, um, try not to, you know, explain it the wrong way, just to be fair to the other side. Solo scriptura really means that scripture is the final and ultimate authority when it comes to anything that comes uh, when it comes down to our faith. So you know it's it's one of those things where if it's not found in Scripture, therefore you should not practice it or yeah. it cannot be true. Yeah, it's um, man-made. If it's it's man-made exactly. If it's not from Scripture, it's man-made. Man but we're yeah. gonna soon find out that sola scriptura is man-made. Ironically. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. So let, we're gonna let's start with I think probably one of the basic logic behind. 
why sola scriptura doesn't make any sense, right? It cannot it possibly it cannot possibly be true. And I think there's a couple big reasons. First, we have the problem of the canon of the New Testament. Yep. Right? Yes. So, um, if scripture is our only source of revelation, then how can we know which bo- books belong in scripture? Well, there's a Bible for that to tell you which books are in the Bible, right? Yeah, but the, <laughs> how was the Bible put together? If it fell if, down if from the, heaven, if Jeff. If the Bible tells them what goes in the Bible, Jeff, when Christ ascended into heaven, he yeah. dropped down a book. Ah, That's how it happened. He yeah. dropped down a book. Yeah, with everything yeah. with Saint Jibri Paul. Adopted yeah. down. <laughs> yeah. Adopted. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so, how can we know which belo- which books belong to Scripture? Right. So, let's just focus on the New Testament. Forget sure. about the Old Testament, but it does apply. To the Old Testament um, also. So there's no divinely inspired table of contests, and Jesus did not leave us a list of books that belong in the Bible. So if scripture is all we can go by, then how can we know which early Christian Christ, which early Christian writings belong in the New Testament or which ones don't? How do we go by that? Like how how do we know what books belong in the Bible? And where did the Protestants get the Bible from to begin with? Well, the answer to the second question is they got it from the Catholic Church, right? ironically. Thank you. Um, but the way the the books were inspired is because Christ instituted a church. He left us with a church. He didn't leave us with just scriptures. He left us with his apostles. He left us with a church. Mm-hmm. Um and you know when he tells when he tells Peter, you know, um, you are you're Peter on this rock. I'll build my church, and the gates of hell will not prevail. Yeah. Um, he so, doesn't you know, say he, I'll, I'll, he doesn't say you are Peter, and I will write yeah, my books. Yeah, you're you're, you're going to write are, the Bible. Yeah, you are pi- you are paper, and on this yeah. paper I will write my Bible. Um, no, but he said you are rock, and I will build my church. So and it's your fun. You're funnier than Paul. <laughs> Stop. So I'm better looking, and I'm funnier. Yeah. Well, so what far. Else? So what far. Else? <laughs> Um, but when Jesus entrusted this church, he entrusted the church to infallibly, um, to infallibly teach yes. the scriptures, to mm-hmm. infallibly teach with authority, with authority, what scriptures is first of all, and how to interpret scriptures as well. Mm-hmm. So it's not just about give us this Bibles, give us this table of contents of these books, but it's also what is the correct way to, um, to interpret the scriptures as well. Yeah. Um, so there's been a few councils who put together these um, these early writings, and there's been many writings who are still great today. They just didn't make it to scriptures. Some of them that yeah. I can think off the top of my head, there is a letter from Clement of Rome, uh, was um, actually read in the early churches in, in Greek, uh, in the Greek churches. Um, they were read just like they would be read, like the you know the epistles of yeah, Saint Paul. Of Paul, yeah, yeah. Some of the letters of uh, Clement were um, were actually re- uh, read at mass too as yeah. As part of their liturgy, yeah. um, until the until the Catholic Church, you know, yeah. um, with authority and yeah. infallibly proclaimed that nope, here are the list of the books that are um, that are inspired. Yeah. And then there's a Shepherd of Hermes, and there is yeah, the, there's a lot of them. Actually. There's a lot of yeah, there's a lot of they have a lot of good writings, but it doesn't mean that there that doesn't mean that we don't believe in any of them. It just means that um, they're not they were at the, at the time when the canon was put together. They, you know, they were not divinely inspired, yeah. you know, and the Holy Spirit did not pick them to go in there because the Bible was technically not put together by, yes, by the church, but the church is guided and directed and inspired by the yeah. Holy Spirit. There were there were <clears throat> there were many more books that were not made in, that were not put into the Scripture that a lot of believers back in the day who 
thought it was inspired. They saw it as like, you know, it was circulating around and everybody was using it to, yeah. uh, you know, to teach. They just didn't make it into scripture. And that's yeah. okay. It's because again, Christ yeah. gave us a church that's infallible. Yeah. Um, who proclaimed that, you know, yeah. those are the books. And it was, and in, the, it was so, in the mid 300s when the first the first of many councils yeah. that I think it was, uh, um, it. I, well, I think the final couple of councils besides Trent was uh, Carthage and Hippo, 397 yep. and 396, I think, or 395, where they finally said, this is the canon of scripture. Yeah. But it did happen in the mid-4th century, um, I think in 355 yeah, three, or 54. Somewhere between 340 I forgot which council it was, Constantinople maybe, I'm not sure. But um, that that but then that was, then the finally, Trent finally affirmed all of these and said, this is it, you know, uh, no more. These are the books that belong in there, and they uh, finalized it. But as, how about this? You know, this is an interesting argument here. So, if if the if the Bible is the sower of faith, and the Bible tells us supposedly uh, what goes in the Bible, the New Testament, uh, as we know it, wasn't all written at once. No, of course not. I mean, Matthew wrote, and then later on, and Luke, yeah. John wrote last. The epistles were written before most of the Gospels, yeah, right? Uh, actually, it was written before, I think, yeah, all if, of the Gospels. If I'm not mistaken, mm. when I last read, two of Paul's epistles were written before the first Gospel, which was Mark. Yes, yeah. was written. So if, if they were written at different times... Right. Yeah. How does that? I mean, how, how does that? The books that were they're written over a period of several decades. So potentially, potentially, only the last book that was written could teach what goes in. Absolutely. Which right. Was, which was. Can you explain that? Because you're better at explaining <laughs> well, that than I am. Well, I can't explain it because it doesn't yeah, make sense. It doesn't make sense. <laughs> it doesn't make sense. So, in order for us to know what scripture is, we have to look at scripture. But. Do you see how that's circular? Yeah. It's like, and not just that, it's how do you know Mark wrote Mark, Matthew wrote Matthew, Luke wrote Luke. Yeah. We have to trust in something external that told us yeah. these were the authors of the of yeah. scripture. Yeah. We have to look at early writings of the church fathers who all unanimously believe that Mark wrote Mark. Yes. Know, Luke wrote Luke, John yeah. wrote John, and et cetera. Um, so that, you know, that just that alone should tell you that sola scriptura just falls apart. Falls it's a apart. matter of... What books belonged in the in scripture? If scripture alone is the final authority, then scripture should tell us which books go in scripture. Yeah. And one but of the, nowhere in scripture does it say what books belong in scripture. Absolutely. Right? Yeah. And one of the things like Jesus when uh one of the main arguments that I hear from a lot of Protestants is well, Jesus, when he argues with people, he always says, For it is written, for it is written. See, he always went to the scriptures. It's like, okay, but did he ever quote Saint Paul, for example? Yeah. I mean, yeah. Obviously, right. Jesus is outside God, so he can be outside of time, but he's he couldn't quote anything from the future. Yeah. So they'll say, well, he had to rely on scripture. Fine. Let, let's do that. But he didn't quote all the books in scripture. There yeah. were at least 10 books from the Old Testament that Jesus or St. Paul or yeah. any of the, you know, anything from the New Testament were never quoted. So yeah. what do we do with those books? Yeah. We just throw them out? Exactly. So exactly. there's a lot of criteria that a lot of Protestants try to, um, you know, fumble to try to just answer answer this you know how they could justify soul scripture yeah. but it honestly it all it all fails you know yeah. it all fails i think it all falls short and it's, is there uh, any particular scripture verse where Protestants will fall back on and say well look you know it says here this is what scripture says about 
Sola Scriptura. Yes, actually. What's a, is there a famous verse they so, use? So, yes. The, the famous verse is 2 Timothy 3, 16 and mm. 17. And it goes like this. All scripture is inspired by God, or in other, um, in other translations, is God-breathed. So all scripture is God-breathed and profitable for teaching and reproof, for correction and training in righteousness, that the man of God may be complete, equipped for every good work. There you go, right? That's a great argument. Yeah, I mean, the Bible says that all scripture is God-breathed, yeah. right? That's, the, that's what it says, and it's good for teaching, reproof, and correction. Great, and it's for training for righteousness. But I don't awesome. need no, I don't need nothing else. But is but then it says the man of God may be complete and equipped for all good works. So if you're complete just by scripture, there you go, right? Yeah. I'm good. Yeah. So sounds good to me. Sounds good to you. Me. It sounds good to me too. <laughs> Except here's the problem. Um the word complete is what they kind of harp on. Like, see, scripture makes a man complete. Yeah. Okay. Um if we go to James 1 4. Yeah. <laughs> The um the Greek word art artilios, I think it's I don't know how to pronounce it. I, yeah. don't, I don't talk Greek, but that's the word for um for complete. Okay. It's also used in James 1 4, that same exact word in the yeah. same exact context. Okay. And James 1 4, uh let me pull this up. It says, um uh where is it? <clears throat> now I just lost the verse. Good for me. Oh, it says and let steadfastness have its full effect, that you may be perfect and complete, lacking in nothing. So scripture also tells us that steadfastness makes us complete. Complete. So if I were to take scripture literally, all I have to do is just have some steadfastness. Yeah, be steadfastness and be you're steadfast. complete. And you're, I'm complete. You don't need scripture. I don't even need scripture at this point, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah. So obviously that whole argument falls, you know, apart. falls apart because yeah. in one part of the one part of scripture is telling you that scripture makes you complete. Yeah. But another part of scripture, it tells you that steadfastness makes you complete. Yeah. So yeah. now we know that that's not what St. Paul was yeah. That's not what he meant, that it yeah. makes you complete. First but of all, first of all, St. Paul didn't even have scripture. Yeah, he only to, had Old Testament. Only had was Old Testament and the and the teachings and traditions of the apostles. That's right. Right? Absolutely. Uh, so, so go so, ahead, finish. I'll, here, I'll go to I'm gonna go to Second Thessalonians. Yeah, so before you go to because actually yeah. it's gonna go to that, it's if we take this verse for what it means, he's only talking about the Old Testament. So really, only the Old Testament makes, makes you, you complete. Because he didn't. Because why? He didn't, he didn't have, have the New Testament. He didn't have the New Testament. Yeah. Sure, we could say that he had a few letters that he wrote. Even if he wants to say, let's say, let's assume that he's like, "Yep, that's scripture," and I know about one of the Gospels written. Yeah. What about the rest of them? Yeah. So that you know that kind of falls short. Yeah. Um, so let's go. Let's let's go back. Let's go a second for Second Thessalonians. Let me sure. read that real quick. This is 2 Thessalonians 2.15. He says, it says, So then, brethren, stand firm and hold to the traditions which you were taught by us, either by word of mouth or by letter. Mm -hmm. Right? Now, according to Protestants, they don't believe in traditions like we do. Right? Right. They don't believe in that because if it's not in Scripture. But uh, clearly here, St. Paul is saying that... Um, um, stand firm and hold to what I've taught you by mouth or by tradition, or by yeah, by either right? writ either written or uh, written. Or, or, I'm, I'm sorry, yeah. by mouth or by oral. Yeah, right. So not everything either he said or even not everything Jesus said was written down. Correct. Because as we know in the Gospel of John, John says at the end of his Gospel, if I was to write down everything Jesus did, all the world's books. 
cannot contain Correct. everything, right? Correct. So we know he he didn't write down with the <clears throat> the gospel is didn't write down everything. Um, so there was word of mouth. There was by letter which he sent, and this is what. Um, it, it, so sola scripture just cannot hold up. I mean, it it doesn't have the legs, you know, to hold up that. You know that that bench or that whatever that table it just they can be cut off very easily yeah, and it falls yeah. apart you know yeah it's uh um you know when when anybody comes tells me like you know things like about you know scripture is the final authority and if it's not in scripture i'm like the first question you should always ask is where is that in scripture yes There's nowhere in scripture does it teach you because and here's the most important part Scripture cannot contradict itself because yeah. God doesn't contradict himself. Yeah. Um, God it, is perfect. Yeah. So he cannot do anything that contradicts himself. He can't so do anything against his if attributes. He wrote, if he wrote, this book is inspired by God and yeah. everything only in this book, if he were to do that, it would be circular argument. It's because yeah. what came first, the book or the word of God? Yeah. Because us as Catholics, by the way, for anybody listening who's not a Catholic or even Catholics who are listening, don't don't get us wrong. We're not saying scripture is imperfect by no means. Scripture is the inerrant, it's infallible, and it's the word of God. There's no argument to that whatsoever. The only thing we're saying is it's not the only infallible word of God because yeah. the most famous infallible word of God is Jesus Christ. Jesus he Christ, is the yeah. word incarnate. 100%, yeah, so yeah. we have the word of God in flesh. Yes. We have the word of God in written form. And we have the word of God who is the teaching office of the church that yeah. Jesus himself um, instituted. Yeah. And it's, where is it found? In scripture. In scripture, <laughs> yeah, yeah. In many places in scripture. Yeah. I mean, Jesus came and we, and me and Pilar talked about this a, f a few episodes back, that Jesus came, he founded the church, and he founded a hierarchy in the church, like right. an authoritative church. He just didn't leave it to any men, right? He left it, left it to the 12 that were under his direct under his hands and they learned everything directly from him and what everything they did after he was gone um they continued with his authority right yeah and the holy spirit and the holy spirit i mean he promised them that he sent the holy spirit and he did as we know from pentecost and look at everything they did in the acts of the apostles i mean so <clears throat> We have to rely on what Jesus said. And Jesus never told them to write anything down. Jesus never wrote anything down. As far as we yeah. know, he put his hand in the in the in the sand one time. Nobody knows really what he wrote. Yeah. But that's all we have of anybody writing anything. Yeah, I mean, Jesus, Jesus, he said, um, when he appeared to the uh, apostles, he said, go and tweet the bible yeah, right yeah, yeah. or go and write down the bible and write down no he said go and preach yeah it doesn't matter how you do it if you want to do it by writing if you want to do it by oral tradition however you want to do it but the most important thing is preach the gospel and you know spread it to all the nations and make disciples of all nations yeah yeah he says go uh, this is matthew 28 19 go therefore and make disciples of all nations baptizing them in the name of the father and of the son and of the holy spirit teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. Yeah. And behold, I am with you always to the close of age. And then he gave him the book that he had in his hand, right? What book? <laughs> yeah, my book is like, what's, yeah, what's wrong with you, man? <laughs> Don't contradict our thing. No, no, There's no, no, no book. No. There's no book. <laughs> but the one thing that I always think about when, um, when it comes to Sola Scriptura is every single heresy 
maybe not every single one, but 99% of the heresies throughout the, throughout the church yeah. came from somebody reading scripture and just misinterpreting it. Yeah, yeah. Most, I mean, I'm talking about vast majority of heresies back then and even today. There's a lot, especially today, there's a lot of heresies of like, well, the Bible says this, therefore abortion is okay. That's a huge heresy. It's because somebody was, sorry to use language like this, they're being just idiots. Yeah. Okay. They're certified idiots yeah. who just certified themselves to becoming idiots yeah. and like, oh, here's what the Bible says. So therefore, so yeah. misinterpreted, taken out of context. Right. This is why, and this is why scripture alone cannot work. It's because you have infallible men yeah. and us humans, we're dumb. We sometimes yeah, yeah, of course. things in our own context. Yeah. So Christ obviously knew this because he was God and he knows, he knows everything. Yeah. He knew that he needed to institute a something yeah to fall back on that way they can teach it they can teach scripture correctly yeah and then so they kind of work hand in hand it's not that the church has authority over scripture or scripture has authority over the church that's not how it works yeah yeah it's both have that both have that given authority by Christ one cannot contradict the other um, and if there are any churches that one contradicts the other like scripture contradicts the church or church contradicts yeah. the scripture that's a false church then. It's a false church, yeah. I mean, and again, the reason why we have so many different interpretations of Scripture and things taken out of context is because everybody is interpreting Scripture on their own, yeah, whatever on, they think is right. Based and, on how they feel that day. Yeah, and this is why the Catholic Church, we have Scripture, we have tradition, and we have... The church, magisterium. The magisterium, yeah. right? The teaching office of the church. So everything is, everything that church teaches, everything that's, um, for example, all of all of the church theologians, all of the church scholars, they don't t teach anything from scripture that's contradicting to church teachings. They're all in line with church teaching, right? Um, and, but again, other people, when they, when, when they, use scripture supposedly to interpret what scripture says it's it's not being interpreted by a church it's being interpreted by a individual correct right by a human being yeah absolutely so um that's that's big um big misunderstanding there about yeah absolutely yeah. interpretation of scripture you know <clears throat> um speaking of uh, like misinterpreting and mm -hmm. things like that and you were talking about like we had church fathers scholars from back in the day all teaching about this stuff, this exact thing, where yeah. they're saying like there are heretics who use scripture yeah. to try to tell you. So one of my favorite quotes is going to be a little lengthy, but so bear with me. It's by um, Saint uh, Saint Vincent of Larens, and this was written back in the 400s, like 450. So mm -hmm. very what, early, Faith very, is very, very new. Early, yeah. So he says here, possibly some way, some may ask, do heretics also appear to script, appeal to scripture? They do indeed, and with a with a with a vengeance. So you may see them scramble through every single books of the Holy Scriptures, through the books of Moses, through the books of Kings, the Psalms, the Epistles, the Gospels, the Prophets, whether among their own people or among strangers, in private or in public, in speaking or in writing, at convivial meetings or in the streets, hardly do they ever bring forward anything of their own which they do not endeavor to shelter under the words of Scripture. So he's trying to say like, they make things up, but they hide yeah. behind like scripture, scripture verses. Scripture right? says this. Yeah, scripture says this. Yeah, they still so, do it now. Yeah, they still do it now. <laughs> but um, my favorite thing is he keeps going. It's like read the works of Paul of whatever, and he just names a bunch of people. And he's like, and the rest of these pests, which is my favorite thing he calls them. <laughs> he's like, and you will see an infinite heap of instances, hardly a single page would, which does not bristle with uh, plausible quotations from New Testament or old. Wow. So he's saying all these works. 
even though you could tell that it's just a load of crap, they just fill it with a bunch of Bible verses to make it sound like yeah. they know what they're talking about. But here, here's where like I love this. He goes on to say, but the more secretly they conceal themselves under shelter of divine law, so much the more they are to be they are to be feared and guarded against, for they know that the evil stench of their doctrine will hardly will hardly find acceptance with anyone to be exalted, pure and simple. So they sprinkle over it, therefore, with a perfume of heavenly language, in order that one who would readily despise a human error may hesitate to condemn divine words. Wow. So he's pretty much saying like. They just hide behind scripture. So they're like, wait, you're wrong. He's like, oh, so you're saying Bible's wrong? Yeah, that, yeah. That's not what I'm saying, but that's how they hide behind. They, yeah. they cower behind uh, the, these, uh, these scripture verses. Yeah. So it's like, they do in fact what nurses do when they prepare some bitter drought for a child. They smear the edge of the cup with, around with honey so that unsuspecting child, having first tasted sweet, may have no fear in the bitter. So too do these act with this guy who disguise poisonous herbs and nauseous juices under the name of medicines so that no one almost when reads labels suspects they're poison <laughs> mike dropped yeah so like this is this is what i love about this is he was just he was going hard at these heretics who are saying he's salty yeah he's very he's salty, very yeah, salty. He's very salty. <laughs> and i love it like i read it because he's like angry at these heretics for yeah. what they're doing which is true and think about what a lot of modern day heretics forget about let's say like you know, all the heretics that read about like Martin Luther and yeah. John Calvin, whoever it is, yeah. you know. But think about just a lot of the modern day heretics. Yeah. They'll quote scripture, they'll put Bible verses on their, you know, Facebook pages and things like that. So that when you're like, you're wrong, you're absolutely wrong. They're like, oh, so you disagree with the scripture? No, no, I disagree with your interpretation of scripture. Yeah, yeah, so yeah, yeah, exactly. They kind of cower and like yeah. hide behind scripture. So I think, Ennis, I think at the end, I think we have to understand where the Catholic Church is coming from that yes scripture is important and yes all of all of the Catholic teachings come from scripture absolutely but it's just how it's interpreted right this right. Is why other denominations disagree we have tradition and we have the magisterium the teaching office of the church correct these three working together gives us today what we believe as the Catholic faith right absolutely. so sola scriptura doesn't work I think we kind of proved many reasons why it doesn't work yeah and um I don't know. Anything else you want to add before um No, wrap read the, it up? Read the Bible still. Yeah, like, yeah, read the Bible. We're not telling you not to read the Bible, but yeah. uh, just be careful with how it's interpreted. Don't let your feelings dictate how you think yeah. what it said is um go back and just learn what what did the church fathers say about this? Yeah. What did the tradition what did the best way to read scripture is how did how would an early Jewish person yeah in the first First second century third century would read this yeah because a lot of times we'll read scripture and we're like we don't know exactly why they talk this way or act this way but um that's the best way to interpret scripture is look at it through the lens of history yeah and the church i always remember what um stephen ray you know stephen ray yeah of course yeah he was a protestant and became a a, just an amazing catholic now and he says when he was a protestant he was looking at scripture through a Protestant lens only. Right. He he did not understand it. But when he became a Catholic, he said, I put on a Catholic lens, Catholic eyeglasses, and I read scripture through the Catholic church. And he goes, when I speak to a Jewish person, I put on Jewish lenses. I look at the... I look at scripture as how how would a Jewish person interpret this scripture? Right. But he, he was just so blinded by... Protestantism and what he believed growing up that he only had 
those lenses on all his life. He never changed them. When he put the Catholic glasses on, and he opened his eyes, like, wow, now I know why the church teaches this. And he's one of the greatest, probably, oh, I think, absolutely. a great apologist. And he's going to be actually at Awake My Soul awesome, yeah. this year. Yeah, so he he's, he's amazing. I what's, love him. What's awesome is a lot of great Catholic apologists today who most of them were actually former, Protestant. Former Protestants, yeah. Um, one, they have one thing in common. They started reading early church fathers. Yeah. And that's what woke exactly, them up. And they yes. realized, wow, the yeah. early church fathers from first, second, third century believe exactly what the Catholics believe today. Yeah. And yeah. Going to confession, Eucharist, things that no modern day Protestant would yeah. ever think to, you know, yeah. to be true. Church fathers are really the foundation of, of our faith. Yep. And um, they're the ones who built what we believe today, you know, built on the foundation of Christ. Absolutely. So well, Ennis, honestly, this is a great podcast. Thank this you. is one of the best podcasts I've had in a long time. And I don't know why. I'm just saying, you know, it's one of the best podcasts let's I had find, in a long time. Let's find a common denominator. And uh, listen, you know, I'm, I'm just I'm just throwing it out there, right? I'm not saying anything. Uh, I do miss Pilar a little bit. A little bit, you know? yeah. Uh, you no, know. As much as I think this podcast is amazing and great, there's it one is. that's a little bit better. It's you called The Salty so? Catholic. It's I don't know what it is. I don't know. I <laughs> mean, there's one that's way inferior to every single one that yeah. you don't even sure you waste your time with. It's called The Right to be Catholic. <laughs> the Right to be Catholic. <laughs> <laughs> Which actually, uh, I think I might be on it next month with Sean. Oh, okay. We're going to do a little bit so of- it's going to uh, be better. It's going to be one of the greatest episodes. Yeah, because one of his... You know what? Why don't you, when you're on that show, ask Sean, what was the highest rated episode? And he'll tell you which one it was. Yeah, I, yeah. I, I, I'm sure he will. <laughs> yep. Well, Ennis, it's great to have you on here, man. Thanks Thank for you. coming Pleasure on. It's been mine. awesome. Thank you. And uh, yes, Pilar, I know you're watching and I do miss you and you're my... You're the best co-host ever, and I miss you, Paula. I miss you, man. <laughs> I don't. All right, everyone. Well, have a blessed, have a blessed uh, Lent, the rest of the remaining of Lent, and remember, you are your brother's keeper. Amen. You've been listening to an ECRC Martoma Productions podcast. To learn more about ECRC and our programs, visit us at ecrc.us.